Hello and welcome to the Chris Knott Podcast. Today's show is something uh, that I'm really looking forward to speaking about because I'm going to be discussing the concept of super intelligence today and how smart can we get. Uh, it's something that's quite close to my heart, not that I believe that I am particularly intelligent, which I don't at all, um, because it's just more so something that intrigues me. I think that the human brain is something that is very, wouldn't go as far as say misunderstood, but um, I'd definitely say it's something that we underestimate and we don't actually realise the capacity, complexity and this incredible feature that we all all possess. I think it's massively underused. Um, it's something that has intrigued me for a very, very long time and uh, I've always thought that there's more to things than what we see and kind of uh, accelerated learning, which is uh, an actual a name of a book that I read a long time ago, but I do actually believe that accelerated reading and having the capacity to learn an incredible amount of information is something we all possess and that you tap into it through uh, practice. Uh, I don't personally like it when um, people say, you know, oh, I'm just not that smart or I'm, oh, I'm dumb, I don't have book smarts and they put themselves down. And a lot of people do say that, they just say, I'm not naturally clever. Um, and I don't believe that for a second. I think you are, you know, whether you believe, you know, that Will Smith was saying, whether you believe you can or you can't, or whatever, you know, whichever one he says. But, you know, whatever you believe, and that, that is the case. That's the way I, I see it. You know, if you believe you are smart, then you will be smarter. If you believe you are dumb, you will not uptake information as easily um, or solve issues or be generally as clever. If you believe you're a certain way, then that's the way you will be. It's very, very simple. But, you know, I, the more and more I learn, and uh, the more knowledge I kind of obtain through through studying, um, you know, people will make comments. So you know, you, you know, you come across as as a smart person or knowledgeable in, uh, individual, and I, I don't really agree with that at all. I think that the thing that I'd say would um, kind of categorise me as knowledgeable is the fact that I enjoy what I learn, and when you enjoy something, the uptake of that information becomes easier because it fascinates you, and. You know, if I were to list a load of uh, fancy Latin muscle names or hormones or digestive enzymes or organs, you'd probably listen to that and, and think, wow, you know, he's really clever. But if you think about it, we all have the capacity to restore and learn and recite information. It just depends what that is. Now, if you were to sit in the pub with a guy and he's drinking a pint and he told you the um, for the ta- last uh, 10 years who was the Premier League's top goal scorer and what the score was in, in Manchester Derby 20 years ago um, when City played United away and what the starting lineup was, you, you know, you'd think, you'd, a lot of people would probably think, oh, that's just sad, he's, he's football obsessed. But if you think about it, there is virtually no difference between me reciting, you know, biochemistry or Latin muscles and that person reciting starting lineups from 20 years ago or football information. At the end of the day, it is just factual recollection and the uh, recollection. And the only thing that impacts whether it's impressive or smart is actually the topic. You know, if people who, you know, know everything there is to know about the Kardashians or know everything there is about Britain's Got Talent, it is just memory of something they found interesting so what i'm trying to say by this is the first takeaway point that you can um, from this that um 
sorry, let's say that again. The first thing that you should take away from this point is that if you find a topic or an area that you particularly find fascinating and that's what you want to learn about, then you will technically become an expert um, or extremely knowledgeable in that field through passion and interest alone. You know, we can all be and all achieve levels of extreme intellect and being very, very smart just through doing something that we really, really love. And that's when things become easy. You know, I have tried the force studying thing where, you know, I try and think to myself, oh, you know, I want to be really knowledgeable and be a really good coach. And so I'm going to sit and I'm going to study biochemistry or or endocrinology and and try and memorize all these fancy long words just to seem clever. And I have done that before, you know, um, not recently, but I've done that in the past without a shadow of a doubt. Um, And it doesn't really work like that. It's not something that I think um, flows very well and it's not a practical way of learning. I think that we all have our own individual learning types and styles, and that's what you should uh, play towards. Now, personally with me, I think that my learning um, style or, or whatever works for me best in terms of learning methodology um, actually changes. Sometimes I'll be a visual learner, sometimes it'll be audio, sometimes it'll be um, you know a different method or just through reading. But one of the things that I find that helps best for me is that as soon as I learn something, I have to teach it. So straight away, if I've been had my nose in the book or I've been uh, reading something, the first thing I'll do is grab one of the other uh, frontline um, members of staff or um, PT, sorry, and uh, I'll be I'll be telling them about it, and I'll be you know I'll be I'll be practicing the, the the technique that I've learned or or trying to explain it to them because I find that if I can teach something, then I understand it better. So another important takeaway for that is that whatever you do. Uh, learn or whatever you decide to learn you must then use a method that helps you ingrain that information and what I mean by ingrain is that make it solid in your brain so reaffirm that pathway so do something so whether you um, learn something visually or you like to read something that you then write it out over and over again so you might like to make notes and then write the notes out or you might like to say it um, if you're an audio learner or you might want to do a diagram if you're if you're more visual so whenever you are trying to to learn a new um, new bits of information i think recollection of it so uh, reciting it in whichever form appeals the most to you is very important so the actual concept of super intelligence i wrote an article for uh, for, for fit for films easy for me to say which was about the limitless brain and what our brains are capable of. And I think that um, there is a little bit of a genetic component behind super mega incredible intelligence, which is um, not really most scientific of terms, but the the savant level of intelligence, so people who can recite pi to 20,000 digits and those people who can um, tell you, uh, you know, the postcodes for the entire uh, entirety of a country, very much like Rain Man, you know, the actual... Um, real life versions of Rain Man. Um, those type of people, I think, do have uh, some form of um, neurological uh, neuroanatomy. So uh, their brain is built slightly differently, or they have enlarged regions of certain parts of the body, uh, sorry, parts of the brain, which enable them to do these incredible feats. And uh, brain anatomy is something that I think, again, is overlooked in in the. I wouldn't say fitness industry because I don't think people in the fitness industry need to necessarily um, study the brain. But if you think of it like this, is that when people are highly, highly stressed, um, you can enlarge a, a region of the brain called the amygdala. 
and the uh, and a large amygdala means you are more alert or more aware of stress so being stressed is more likely to make you stressed so it's a very very vicious circle if you have a um, if your amygdala shrinks your stress response is going to be lower so that is a representation of how um, enlarging a certain region of the brain can impact our mood and our perception of our environment and it's exactly the same concept in my opinion which is a very very important thing I need to say in my opinion it's the exact same concept as like weight training when in regards to a muscle so for example if I say to you right you're gonna do a three-month program where you train your quads four times a week with hypertrophy you're going to have enlarged quads now if you have to do a task which involves your quads like a leg extension or a squat you're probably going to have strong um, quads for that uh, strong muscles for that task so whatever you train your body becomes more efficient at doing so if you train the amygdala for example by stress by being in a stressed environment your body becomes more resp- uh, responsive and uh, is more able to detect stress so that's just a small example of how changing the size and lobes of the brain, again in my opinion, could impact the way we are as a person. So now you've got to think of it like this. Now what if you were to train regions of the brain that are associated with learning and creativity? What if you were to stimulate the prefrontal cortex, which is uh, very much to do with higher intelligence? Um, what if you were to stimulate that on a regular basis? Well, you are training it. And if you train something, you get better at it. You know, one of the um, one of the things that I think is massively overlooked is that you know when we talk about or when I've uh, spoken about in the past, like nootropics and and productivity tips and things like that. Yes, they do work, and yes, they do enhance us a little bit, but they are nowhere near as powerful as repetition of practice of getting into a flow state and practice of creativity. You know, Picasso did not paint a masterpiece the first time he tried. He probably did it the millionth time he tried. And people call him, you know, a, a, a genius in his work um, when really it's just down to repetition. You know, genius and repetition probably fall under the same bracket. It's just somebody who's got incredibly good at doing a certain task uh, over and over again that they've got to a level of expertise which is classed as genius. That's all what I personally think. Uh, reaching you know those levels of um, you know capability are um, so yeah so I do think there is an, an anatomical ap- a- um, adaptations when it comes to when it comes to higher learning and uh, learning things better now I can't remember the author of the book but I, like I said before I did read a book called accelerated learning I think I came across it about eight years ago and the concept really, really, really interested me. And the, they said that we used to think that our brains were like a filing cabinet. And we were able to put information in and they'd be stored. And there was a finite amount of space that could be taken up. So basically, the, um, you, get to a, you get to a point where the brain would say, right, I have too much information I've, I've reached the capacity the limit of my um, uh, to store information and that's it you can't really store anything else that's one theory there that they had about the kind of the brain function and that's not really necessarily true whether it's been proven to be true or not I'm not sure but I don't think that's the way things work and neither does, neither does the book and the book was basically saying that it's more like a plant where the more you water it and feed it 
the more the plant grows and it grows outwards and these root, uh, roots and branches branch off and they form other different root, uh, roots and branches and then the more you put emphasis on it the bigger it gets so basically you have a completely you know funnily enough use the word limitless uh, capacity to store information um, and this from a scientific point of view makes a lot of sense to me because all information is and I say all in a very kind of um, you know a blase term all information is is it's the connection of neural webs and neural network and neurons that uh, that fire together and once they fire together they are wired and then that becomes a way of thinking or a memory or recollection so if you um, if you have a thought process the neurons will fire in a certain way and if you fire that thought process enough and do it over and over and over again they wire and it becomes um, easy for you so and I, I always use driving as the example is that if you were to go a completely different way or you're in a completely different town with no sat nav everything seems new and alien to you and every single uh, w- uh, turn that you take is taken with precaution because you don't know whether you're going to go the right way or we're going to do it down a one-way street so you're very much on edge and you don't know where you're going but if you think about your drive to and from work or your commute to and from work you can do that so autonomously because it's ingrained in your brain it's literally etched into your brain so it's there uh, and you don't have to think about it it is autonomous and that's where the kind of thought process come in where if we do something enough it becomes natural to us so if you think the concept of a thought or a, um, a, p- a piece of knowledge or a fact is just neurons that are fired together and linked in, then you can look at the actual, um, just do some, I say basic, but you know, some, some kind of basic maths. Now, I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but we have roughly trillions of different uh, brain cells in our body. If you think uh, of that as uh, each one can connect with each other, then you've got a pretty tasty sum of the possibility of different neural connections they can be. So I use Subway as an example. So if you go to uh, Subway, you can have four different types of bread, then you can have uh, as many different uh, types of um, you know, fillings that you can have, so you have meatball marinara, you can have a Subway, you can have tuna, you can have whatever. You can then have um, sauces, then you can have the salad, and I think, um, just by Googling it, and again, I can't remember off the top of my head, I think Subway did the maths and they said if you were to get all the different possible combinations that you could possibly get at a Subway, you have something like, I don't know, anywhere between 2 to 10 million different sandwiches you can have. I can't remember the number, but it's in the millions. So there are, is there are millions of different possible Subway sandwiches you can make due to the fact there are so many different combinations that you could put together. So now let's look at the brain. Now at Subway, you have uh, a certain amount of uh, different uh, possibilities. So, you know, like the breads and, and the fillings and, and the sauces and the salad. Now, what happens if the co- possibility of combinations is, starts in the trillions? So it's like a trillion times a trillion. Well, you're going to have an almost infinite amount of neural connections that are possible. And it does generally you know, come out to a number like that. And I know, you know, if you're a neurologist and you're listening to this, which I highly doubt you would be, but if, you know, I, if someone turned around to me and says, no, it does not work like that, like that scientifically, I'd hold my hands up and go, uh, you know, I apologize. And, you know, it's a theory that I got wrong. But this makes a lot of sense to me is that we just overuse on a daily basis or we just fall into the default mechanism or default pattern when it comes to thinking. 
And it's always like, why would you take a different route to work every single day if you have one way of going which is convenient and is you don't have to think about? And it's the same, you know, it's the same principle. We don't challenge ourselves enough and try different things on a daily basis, which means we fall into our same uh, same way of thinking. Um, so it's one thing that I'm, I, I, well, I used to be a big advocate of, and I am a huge advocate. I would de- generally tell people to do. I love brain training games. So there's a, there's a um, website called Luminosity, which I, I'm a really big fan of. I don't use that anymore, just just because of time wise. But uh, I, I'd, I think that's a brilliant thing to get on. It has a mobile app as well. Uh, you know, like stuff like Sudoku, stuff like crosswords. Um, these brain training games are inc- incredibly, incredibly important uh, for brain health. And when you do these, um, when you do these um, brain training games, you stimulate the production of acetylcholine. Acetylcholine is a neurotransmitter which is uh, heavily associated with Alzheimer's and dementia. And the decline in acetylcholine. Uh, so reduction and reduction in production um, is heavily associated with the onset of uh, these neurodegenerative uh, diseases. So staying compass and growing all gracefully and, and staying with it is very much down to learning new skills and learning uh, and keep and training your brain and challenging it on a daily basis. So when we sit in front of the TV and just kind of vegetate watching uh, random programs which don't stimulate our brain, which um, don't have any way of feeding, uh, like feeding our intelligence, uh, that is losing the opportunity. So you're missing the opportunity to actually bulletproof your brain and make and prevent it against these diseases. Now, fortunately, and I I say, you know, bottom half, fortunately, I've I've never actually dealt with um, a family member having dementia or, or, um, or Alzheimer's but I can imagine it's absolutely heartbreaking which is why I wanted to do podcasts like this is that people just assume that you know stuff like diabetes and, and um, you know Alzheimer's dementia uh, arthritis it's just a part and parcel of growing old and it's just what happens as we age it is not it is not at all you can stay completely with it well into your 80s and 90s just by challenging yourself on a daily basis now it's all well and good to say okay great this is theory this is textbook theory so well done Chris you know you're just saying stuff that that sounds fancy but no I generally have seen it and it's it's in um, my granddad who lived to be 91 was completely completely with it um, up until the day he passed away and what he used to do on a daily basis is is he did have a Mediterranean diet so his diet was very very good but he used to read and do puzzles every single day and try and learn languages and new things and be in encyclopedias all the time. When I go around to his house, he had a notepad which he'd just write stuff down and he constantly wanted to learn. He wanted to learn German, Japanese, French, Spanish, Chinese. He just picked up books and would just constantly, constantly learn. And even into the age, in his 90s, he was still completely with it. And I personally believe it's because you're training and challenging your brain. You know, weight training has this stigma behind it. It's it's supposed to be, you know, oh, it's all about aesthetics and bodybuilding. It's really not. Every single person in the general population, the general public should weight train. And that is not me because I've got an agenda as a strength coach or, um, or personal trainer. It's because it prevents you from aging and declining. 
you know, if you, I spend uh, t- time with my grandma and I'm looking at her and seeing what is she doing? Well, you know, she's pushing herself up off the chair. That's leg strength. She's grabbing onto stuff. It's grip strength. It's something that Eugene Tio uh, spoke about in his seminar. It's like indications of mortality and grip and leg strength are massive, massive contributors to this. So if you're training the body to be able to age better or cope with the demands of aging, you can do the exact same principle with the brain. Now, um, the Accelerated Learning Book, again, I thought was brilliant because one thing I would say for anybody who's trying to learn stuff is be as creative as you can and don't try and make it into too much of a quote-unquote school environment or too educational or clinical. If you do education right or you, uh, you kind of learn in the correct environment, it is so much easier to recollect. And this is a concept I uh, recently heard about on, uh, well, it's not a new concept to me, but it's something that was revised on the Jim Quick and his Quick Brain podcast, which I fell, I fell upon and I really, I really enjoyed. And he was just saying about how you can learn lists of things um, by being visual and adding as many different um, kind of stimulants to the brain as you possibly can. And I do this um, playfully as ways of remembering random numbers or numbers that are actually really use- useful to me, uh, like macros. Um, because you know, if I'm writing diet plan after diet plan, and I have to constantly check which um, you know how much uh, you know how much is in in this or that, um, and how much carbs and fats and protein, you know, it is it can be quite arduous. Now I use the same source every every single time, um, so it's consistent, um, but. You know, if you have to keep clicking and going back to the web page, and I was thinking, you know, it would be so much easier if I just knew these off by heart. But obviously, you've got to look at total carbs per 100 grams, uh, protein, and fats. But this is where you start to get uh, by just being a little bit creative. You can do this as like markers and using as many different parts of the brain as possible to actually remember some really cool facts and figures. And you can do this with absolutely anything. But let's let's use an example. So. How many carbohydrates are in a um, banana? Now, the answer to that, based on uh, which source you go to, is anywhere between 20 to um, to 30. And you could go on loads of different uh, sources. You can go on Tesco, you can go on MyFitnessPal, and it'll tell you different things. But what I use is set as a standard uh, protocol for carbohydrates in a banana is 25 i just could keep that if someone has 100 grams of a banana it's going to be 25 grams of carbs to so keep it at a flat rate like that whether that's right or wrong is irrelevant it honestly is but it's just a sum that i want to um, kind of focus on now remembering that is you know maybe pretty straightforward but how do i ingrain that in my brain so i never forget it and it stays simple well 25 is quite an easy number to remember but what if I was to forget it? How would I, um, how would I make uh, an image in my brain that makes it virtually impossible to forget the number 25? So what I was thinking is you can use absolutely anything you want, but if you use different aspects, so sense, smell, um, sound, if you combine them together, then it becomes a much more powerful image that's easy to remember. So if I, want, if I tell you to do this, so you walk down, and the last Christmas that you had, so the Christmas that you just had, 2017, um, I want you to picture the Christmas tree that you had in your living room or wherever you had your big Christmas tree. I want you to picture that now. So it's firmly 
um, in your brain. And now I want you to imagine that instead of pine leaves, instead of um, it being made of uh, like either plastic or, 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 a, or a pine tree, it's made of bananas, it's banana skins. So wherever there should be pine or green, it's, uh, it's just a load of bananas. And you go up to the tree and it's the same tree with the same ornaments, but instead of it being an actual green tree, it is yellow bananas. So you go over, you look at the baubles, you look at the ornaments, you can see all the presents underneath the tree, but then you touch the tree and it has that waxy uh, banana feeling, that banana smell, that very, very distinct smell that it has. And it has that waxy um, texture as you touch it. Um, I want you to think of that image very, very clearly. Now, what's the relevance of that? Well, as you should know, a fact that you are not gonna forget anytime soon is that um, Christmas Day falls on the 25th of December. So as soon as you remember Christmas, you remember the number 25. As soon as you've got that Christmas tree in your head, you've got the link between the Christmas tree and the banana now, which isn't gonna go anywhere anytime soon if you have visualized it well enough, which means there's a direct link there. So if you need to remember carbohydrates in banana, you now know it has 25 grams. But also, you know, it does have fats and protein as well, but they're negligible because it's predominantly a carb source. Now you can do that with pretty much almost anything, anything that you want, um, if you use the same principles. So it can be, you know, historical facts, it can be, you know, numbers, it can be anything that you want. You just have to be creative enough for, um, for figuring it out. So for example, just like a completely random one. One thing that I always get uh, confused is the planes of the body. So it's in a biomechanical terms of movement, it's sagittal plane, coronal plane, um, or sort of sagittal, frontal, coronal plane, or transverse. And I never really know which one is which, and it is hard to remember. But the coronal plane, which is moving uh, side to side, uh, like a crab, I just remember just standing at a barbecue, and you have a corona in one of your hands, in your right hand, and you put it to the side of you which means that anything along that plane is so sideways movement, so crab movement, coronal plane, I think of the corona, the beer. Now, if anyone's turned around to me and say, um, you know, oh, you're, you're really smart saying about this, this and this, and I was to actually tell them how I remember all this stuff or how you do factual recollection, it's not, they'd probably laugh and say, well, that doesn't sound that smart. That's just more like either the way a child would play or just being creative or kind of nonsensical at times, but it does work. So this is mainly the takeaway point that I want you to take from, from this podcast is that anybody can be as smart as they want to be. It's just finding the right topic that interests them and they are passionate about. But factual recollection isn't necessarily down to repetitively staring at something until it goes in. It's about finding a creative way of ingraining it in your brain and then using an outlook or a release to make sure that you can re uh, recollect or reiterate the information that you've learned in some way, shape or form. So, for example, if you learn something, um, you know, do studying for an hour before bed, the next day, can you write all the what you studied in bullet points the next day? Or can you tell somebody about it if it's more of an audio learner? Or could you do a diagram and a flow chart if you're more visual? Or could you teach it to somebody if that's the way, you know, the way you're inclined? So, number one thing to take from this, you can be as smart as you want to be. You have a limitless capacity in your brain for information um, and to learn it's just about how well you tap into it and how much you practice creativity and practice that of um, learning and educating yourself 
you know, when you have these downtimes, I'm all for relaxation. It's very, very important. But stimulating your brain through um, through through these brain training games and techniques will help you in preventing aging and staying more uh, with it uh, as you age. So if you've listened to this podcast um, and you know somebody who's in their, you know, like 50s, 60s, or, you know, your family members or anything, please pass on the message. Dementia and Alzheimer's can be prevented by brain training and staying with it at younger age. And there's never too early and it's never too late to start. So uh, get on to that. That is going to be it for this little Bite Side Solo podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you had found it useful, please head over to iTunes and leave me a review because it's always great to get your feedback on how this podcast has improved. Hope you have a fantastic day and more podcasts coming up very, very soon.